How easy is it to forget the past? Some of us, it's easier than others, right? Like, <laughs> I have always had a horrible memory, so uh, the things that I did yesterday, I can't remember very well, but the things I did months and years ago seem some things stick. But forgetting the past, past hurts, past frustrations, the past things that we may have even felt good about or linked to, it's tough. It's tough to forget that. Should I forget my past? So most of us, I think, have been raised that uh, uh, our past, uh, we can learn from things. And that's the good side. So we talked this morning, even in Sunday school a little bit, on how we're so, you know, I talk about the pendulum a lot. We jump to extremes one way or the other, and we seem to stick on our extreme, uh, where Scripture is really a lot more balanced in understanding life. And so when it comes to this, yes, we learn from our past, but you can't allow your past to dictate your future. And so what this morning's sermon is, and what the title is for this morning's sermon, is letting go of our past. And our text this morning is on Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19, and it says this, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past, for I am doing a new thing. I want to read that again. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I am doing a new thing. The past is something, especially past hurt, past frustrations. It's something that should be forgotten. Unfortunately, a lot of people allow it to define them. We allow it to define who we are now. We become miserable, selfish, greedy. We blame it on the past or people in their past saying, I am this way because of how that person mistreated me or whatever happened. So on and all the time you hear, well, this person did this, and I just can't let it go, or this happened in my past, and you can see that that defines who they are. God wants us to know, your past has no power over you. I want you to hear that this morning. Your past has no power over you. We can let go of it because we have been renewed by God's love and redeeming grace. Guys, I have known people who have been molested their entire childhood who today can go to their molestor 
and give them a hug and tell them I love you. How does that happen? It doesn't without God. Listen, there are some hurts, there are some pains, there are some things in life that will define you and destroy you, things that you cannot get past if you can't surrender them to God. But this morning, I believe God wants to tell us, your past does not define your future. You do not have to let the things that happened to you in the past, the struggles that you've gone through, you do not have to let Corona, <laughs> let's be today, you don't have to allow that to define your future. Instead, we look on towards the things that God desires for us. I lost my place in my notes. Every time I walk away, I do this. <laughs> so rather than changing negatively because of our unfair past, we should only show God's work in us by saying, listen, if you feel like you've got that negative spirit about you, that you've allowed your past to struggle you, I want you to look in the mirror and say these things to yourself. I am nice. Say it till you believe it. I am nice. I am not a grumpy old man. I am not a grumpy young man. I am not a grumpy woman. I am nice. Say it until you believe it. Because I'm telling you right now, some of us, the enemy has stolen our joy because we have allowed the things in life to dictate us. You say, I hurt. I'm frustrated. I've been hurt. Me too. But listen, we don't have to allow that to define us. We don't have to allow that to define our future. Instead, we can surrender that to God and we can say, Lord, even though I hurt, you created me and you can sustain me. God, I'm going to praise you through this because I know the only way I'm making it through this is with you. So I'm going to praise you through it. So here's some, here's some thoughts uh, with the mirror, you know, going back to that. I am nice. I am smart. Some of us have been defeated by allowing people to call you dumb or unintelligent or we feel like we don't know the Bible enough. Man, say these things until you believe them. I am smart. I am forgiving. I am sweet. Because of Christ's love and forgiveness in my life, I can be all of those things again. I can be all of those things today. I don't have to be what my past dictates. Here's what Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says. It says, I am no longer, it is no, <laughs> my tongue, it is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, but trusting in the Son of God who loved me, 
and gave himself for me. I believe growing up, I had the perception that when I gave my life to Christ at the age of 12, Justin Henry died. That person that I was then, something in me died. And something else took its place. That something else was full of God's grace, God's passion, God's heart, His love. And somehow along the way of life and everything else, we allow this circumstance, that circumstance, this situation, and all of a sudden, we grab back to what we were. We say, oh, I remember this, and, and that was safe. That's what felt comfortable. That's what I know. And so we cling back to this. But guys, listen. The amazing part of grace the amazing part of God is that when he recreates you, he makes all things new. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are something else than you started out being. And if you cling to that instead of your past, he will use you for things you can't even imagine. Do you think David knew when he grabbed a stone, three stones, and a sling, that God was going to use him in the powerful way that he did? Do you think he woke up that day and he's like, today I'm going to slay giants? Right? No, of course not. He was walking along life's path. He was going through what life does. He was doing the things that he was used to doing. And all of a sudden, what happens? There's giants in the way. There's huge things, insurmountable things that we can't get past. He hears fear. He hears doubt. He hears anxiety. He hears all of these things. And then he says, wait a minute. I hear you. I hear you. It's scary. They're scary. They're bigger than us. But wait. God's bigger than Goliath. Isn't he? God's bigger than this situation. Isn't he? God's bigger than a virus. Isn't he? God's bigger than your financial problem, isn't he? God's bigger than what somebody told you. God's bigger than how much you're hurting. God's bigger than whatever situation you're going through in life. God is bigger. But we forget to proclaim that, and we get stuck in clinging to our past. Because our past tells us that we played football and wrecked our knee, so our knee has to hurt this morning. I don't care if I was dumb and wrecked my knee when I was a kid. God can make all things new. So if I praise him through it, he can restore that knee. 
You get the difference? Instead of clinging to what we think we knew yesterday, cling and strive for what God is today. Realize who God is in our lives and cling to that. I have some scriptures this morning that I want to read to you, and I did not give all of these to Jace uh, because I have them written down here. But here's what I'm hoping as I read these. Allow these to seed into your life. This is the word of God. This is not the words of Justin Henry. This is not the words of anybody else. This is the word of the Lord. Allow this to renew you and give you something to hope for. Philippians 3.12. But one thing I do, very familiar passage of scripture, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Guys, no matter what your past tells you, I want to tell you something this morning. You have a bright future. No matter what your past tells you, I want you to hear this morning, you have a bright future. You don't have to fear what the enemy tells you to fear. You don't have to be afraid that you need to be the provider because God is your provider. You do not have to be afraid of the things that the enemy holds over our head. Guys, the things that stress us out, the things that make us crazy people, <laughs> we don't have to focus on those. We can focus beyond those, knowing what God has brought us through and realizing he's going to bring us through this again. The only part of your past you should remember is the fact that God brought you through it. <laughs> Whatever it is, you've come out of it. Cling to your future because God can give you something amazing to strive for. Luke 9:62. But Jesus said to him, "No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Being in ministry over so many years, I can remember the great, what I would call revival atmospheres of my youth. I can remember the worship services that went all day where all we did was worship, sing praises to God. We would get up, we would run around the sanctuary. There'd be the little old lady in the back just speaking in tongues, jumping up and down. You know, a lot of us, if we've been Pentecostals for a long time, we can remember those things. Does that mean that we should go forward and expect God to do that thing again? God, bring us back to those times of great revival that we grew up in. I find myself thinking that sometimes. I'll be honest. I've thought that. I know some of us have because I've thought that. 
But here's what God has spoken to me during this and studying this out. He doesn't want it to look the way that it did in 1985. He doesn't want it to look the way that it did in 1989. He doesn't want his spirit to be poured out in the same way that it's been poured out before. He wants to do a new thing for this generation. He wants his spirit to go out, but he wants it to go out in a way that is new and is real and shows everybody during the time of COVID-19, God is bigger. That's how he wants it to go out. He wants it to look different. He wants it to be different because he wants it to change lives now. Any of us who have been in church for more than 10 or 15 years look back and want something that we've had. It was those great uh, youth revivals, those great camp atmosphere. That's what I meant. The camp atmosphere, you know, we all want to be jumping up during worship and feel God's presence and his presence will make us do that. Let me ask you a question. Why is the camp atmosphere the camp atmosphere? Because it's camp. You know what happens the two months before camp every year? Hmm? Lots of planning, okay. What? A lot of prayer. Did you know? All the pastors, youth pastors, children's pastors, pastors throughout our district, we have a calendar as a district, and we literally put several people every day for the first, for the two months before camp, and we literally pray for an outpouring of God's presence, for convicting spirit, for things to change students' lives before they get to camp. Not only that, but do you know one of the reasons why we have a DYD? Because when he gets to camp, what's the first thing he does? He's excited about camp. What's the first thing that your youth pastors do? They get you excited about camp. Who are the first people jumping when worship starts? It's your leaders. It's people preparing the way, showing you this is a time to go all out for God. Listen to me, greater than camp, greater than whatever revival you had in your past, the generation of COVID-19, this is the time for you to go all out for God. If there was ever a time to recommit and decide I'm going to do something new and special, I'm going to go all out for God, it is right now. People are scared. People are afraid. People have heard that it's going to be this way for two years. They are scared, guys. They don't know who to depend on. They don't know who to trust. Who should they trust? God. We have the awesome opportunity to point them to the only answer there is right now. Church, right now, stand up. Right now, realize it's our time to show this world, our nation, who God is.
Right now we've got to proclaim from the mountaintops, hey guys, it's not too big for God. Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's crazy. I'm not telling you to do anything foolish. <laughs> but holy cow, point them to Jesus. Point them to where they can have some hope. Because if there is one thing that's missing right now, it's hope. It's joy. It's realizing that God has something bigger planned for all of us. What happened to Lot's wife? She looked back. What did the angel tell her not to do? <laughs> Look back. But why did she look back? Because that's what she knew. That's where she was comfortable. That was home. Guilty, right? I've looked back to what I wanted to see. I've looked back and said, God, why can't we have that again? And God said, because Justin, that doesn't work in 2020. I want to do a new thing in Christ Jesus. I want to pour my spirit out afresh and anew to this generation. Because this generation needs me just as powerful and just as real as that generation. Looking back actually robs us of the current blessing that God is doing right now. If we once saw every seat in this sanctuary full of people, looking back could always hold us to the expectation that this should be filled and that there should be people in every single one of these seats. I watched a movie just yesterday and then I asked, I asked my parents, I was like, why is it that when that pastor's preaching, all the seats are full? <laughs> I said, I said it's, it's obviously television because every single one. And then they wanted to show the one family left and they showed one empty seat. They showed like the whole sanctuary, but there was just one empty seat. And I was like, well, the whole family left. There should at least be four empty seats, right? <laughs> so they're just trying to... But seriously, the way that we prepare our minds and the expectations we set up are the things that we've seen before. We've gone to James River and we've seen 5,000 people. Well, God, if they can do it, so can we. Why don't we have 5,000 people? Well, first of all, that would be more than how many live in Brookfield, <laughs> right? We got, what, 44, 4,600? <clears throat> Why is that our expectation? If God never filled these seats, is there still a purpose for what he's doing? Can he still grow you even though there's not 150 people in here? Can he still grow me? Can life change still happen? Guys, God takes us deeper where we are. 
What we have to do is quit looking back. What we have to do is quit putting our expectations on God. What we have to do is quit looking at God and saying, God, this is what I expect. I expect from the first note of music for people to be speaking in tongues and screaming and shouting and jumping. Praise God, I'd love to see it. But guess what? Who does it take to make that happen? takes me. It takes you. It takes us leading the way. It's the only way it's ever going to happen. Amen? If we have an expectation, we have to rise to the challenge. If we have something that we're looking for, we have to be the first ones to set the bar. In Bible college, they would teach that, teach that, teach that. Hey, if you want people to get excited, get excited. You want people to be dummy downers, be dummy downer. Why? Because it's contagious. Joy is contagious. Sorrow is contagious. Frustration, anxiety is contagious. <laughs> Sound like a world that we know, right? There's things that are being spread that are contagious. But guys, the church is called to something else. We're called to stand up and point them to him. Not to us, our desires, our rights, our freedoms, but to him. See, one of the problems I think Democrats, Republicans, everything else has right now is every single one of them selfish. Stop pointing to yourself and start pointing to Christ. He's the point, right? Is he not? So why are we standing for the way that we see it or the way that we think it should be or this or that instead of saying, Lord Jesus, have your way. The kingdom of heaven is now. Lord, flood our hearts. Ignite our passions. Show us how to stand up today. Couple more scriptures I want to share with you real fast. Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Guys, forgiveness is huge. Forgiveness is a huge piece to this puzzle. Have you met somebody or had something happen that you thought, I just can't forgive this? The example that I used before of somebody molested all through their childhood, if there was ever a time where you would feel like they had a right to not forgive, they had a right to not get past it, I think that would be it, right? <laughs> In my mind, I can't think of anything much worse. But to see it walked out and the love walked out. In fact, in my self-righteous indignation, 
I said, I don't ever want to see that person. I feel the pain for you. You know what they said? <laughs> Why are you mad? <laughs> Why would you hate somebody for what they did to me? And then to see them go beyond that and to hug and to love and to care for that individual. And I'm not talking about in a gross, perverted, like they, I'm not talking about that. They cared, they loved, they forgave, and God somehow took that and gave them a love for somebody who did something so horrific to them. Guys, seeing it lived out before us, if this generation, let's put it this way. He'll never hear this, I hope. <laughs> if our president went to Nancy Pelosi, He says, oh, don't, don't. You know what I'm talking about, though? There seems to be so much tension sometimes if somebody could just step across and say, I'm sorry, and I love you. I love you too much to see it continue this way. How much would that change a nation? Guys, as Christians, we're supposed to be different. As Christians, they're supposed to see us be able to say, I know things are crazy, I know things are nuts, but there's a calm in the storm and his name is Jesus. <laughs> we're supposed to be the ones that people can go to when life is crazy and we can help them See Jesus. We can help them see the calm. Life is not always chaotic. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to live there. You can live instead in Jesus. The things that he tells you to see, the things that he tells you to rehearse in your mind. See, the problem is the media tells us to rehearse chaos. Right? Facebook tells us to rehearse chaos. Twitter, chaos. What's... Snapchat, whatever else you got on your phone, right? Chaos. People put craziness all over the place. What does God want us to be in the midst of the chaos? The calm. The calm. Point back to him. Another way of saying this is I just can't let this go or I can't let this thing happen. But here's the truth of Scripture. Scripture assures us that if we want a miserable life, don't forgive. You want to be miserable? Cool. Don't forgive. Right? Because Scripture says if you don't forgive then you're not forgiven. If you can't get past it, if you can't let it go, 
then you're not forgiven. Guys, what does that mean for you to not be forgiven? That means you just lost eternity because you can't surrender and forgive. What is unforgiveness? We talk about the unforgivable sin, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. How do you ever get there as a Christian? Most of us Christians would be like, I have no idea. It's so far away. I just can't see it. I can tell you the first step. Unforgiveness. Because when you realize that you can't get past something, it grows to bitterness, it grows to a root of something else, it will destroy you, and all of a sudden, you love it so much that you go to it instead of God. If you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. It's the way to lose eternity. And believe me, that would be a very miserable life. A life knowing that there's no eternity to look forward to. Knowing that there's no hope. That all I'm stuck in is this hurt. That would be a miserable life. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. So that Christ, his power, may rest on me. <sighs> One of the most powerful movie lines I've ever seen was in a movie called Facing the Giants. A guy has a son named David. David says, Dad, I can't do it. I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. Reminds me of another David, right? What did the grandfather say? He said, David, have you considered that God made you small so that he could show how great he is? It's not by your power. It's not by your authority. It's not by you being right or wrong. It's not by us doing anything. It's about his power, his authority. It's about God, guys. This whole thing, this whole struggle, this whole chaotic thing is about the world choosing something else over their creator. That's it. They're trying to fill that void with anything they can because they don't want him to change them. They're not mad at you. Look at it. Look at Republicans and Democrats. Do they really hate each other? No. They hate that they feel like they're being controlled and forced to do something they don't want to do. You know why? Because surrendering to God will change you. You can't help it. If you truly surrender to God, you are now a slave to righteousness like we talked about last week. It will change you. And that is the thing that we fear the most. Because we don't want to change.
We don't want to see things differently. We want to do what's comfortable. We want to do what we've always known. But God says, behold, I am doing something new. What if God doesn't heal you? What if God doesn't give you whatever you want? Is he still God? Is he still just and caring? See, I believe Paul is a great example. He pleaded with God, Lord, take it away. He says three times I asked God to take it away. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes we don't get what we want in God. And you know what? It's a good thing. Have any of you ever raised your children and gave them anything that they want? <laughs> what do they turn into pretty fast? <laughs> Ungrateful, spoiled, little, <laughs> right? What would we be without any tension, without any stress, without any storms in our lives? God has to bring us through stuff. He has to. Because it's the way that we learn. It's the way that he shows how great he is. It's the way that he builds trust between us and him. We see that he brings us through this storm. He can bring us through the next storm. We should be able to see that. Sometimes we have to trust that God knows something that we don't. I had the hardest time in my life when my grandfather passed away. I wanted to quit God. I wanted to quit church because he was mentor. He was friend. He was my favorite grandparent. We started so many conversations that we didn't get to finish. I had just started out in ministry not too many years before that. And I was like, God, you're taking him at a vital time. I was so mad, I just couldn't figure it out. But you know what? God knew something that I didn't. I trust that God knew. God knows things that we don't know. He knows what needs to be restored in somebody else's life. He knows what it's going to take to bring somebody to him. Maybe through our struggle, someone else might come to know him. Would that be worth it? Maybe in his timing, there's a future revival ready to start. Would it be worth that then? Well, we don't think that way, right? We think, God, I need this now. I need your healing. I need financial miracle. I need whatever it is they're praying for. Lord, restore our home, whatever. We expect it now. Maybe God knows something that we don't.
I trust. I trust. When I have to go through something and I just can't figure it out, finally, in order to sleep, in order to not have my mind fixated on things, I have to say, okay, God, if this is my cross to bear and it's going to benefit your glory, I'll take it. It's exactly what Paul did. He realized God's grace is sufficient enough. Lord, I trust you. Even if I can't change it, even if I can't have it my way, I trust you. Genesis 41, 51. Joseph names his firstborn Manasseh, saying, For God said, He hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. We all know the story of Joseph. How much he had to go through because of his father's house. How much he went. And yet, and yet, when God gave him a blessing, he said, God, you brought me out of all of that. And now you've given me this wonderful blessing. Manasseh. Guys, if I went around the room and talked to each and every one of us, I'm sure we all have a past. We all have stuff that God's brought us through. We all have stuff that we might be going through right now. But if there's anything I want you to get today, that does not define you in Christ. Whatever you're going through right now does not define who you are in Christ. Whatever you've been through in your past does not define you. Whatever your doctor says, if he says you struggle with anxiety, if he says that you struggle with something else, that is not what defines you. Your creator, God, is what gives you purpose, is what wakes you up in the morning. He is what defines you. We don't have to believe all the stuff that the enemy puts out there and wants us to absorb. Instead, we can stand on his hope and his future. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, Father God, your word is so amazing. It's so renewing and refreshing. God, right now, in our generation, we see some things that we feel like we haven't seen before. But God, you've seen it. You've seen times like this. You've brought people through times like this, Father God. So Lord, instead of losing hope, instead of allowing fear to run our lives, instead of seeing the things that people want us to and all the chaos, Lord, we surrender all of that to you. Father, we lay it at your feet, and Lord, we say, we strive forward for your future, your desire, your hope, what you want us to be. Lord, right now in this season, I know you're wanting to pour your spirit out among all flesh. So, Lord God, I pray for that today, Lord Jesus. Let there be a renewing of your spirit. Let there be a stirring, a desire, Lord God, to come back to you. Lord, to allow you to do things, to change things in our lives, Lord Jesus. 
God, we can't do this without you. We need you, Lord. Lead us, guide us. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.